All right. Um, let's uh, see here what we got going here. Get this thing working. There we go. All righty. Um, it's good to see everybody this evening. I wasn't um, really sure who all would make it on this uh, Wednesday before Christmas. Sometimes, uh, depending on how close this uh, day falls to actual Christmas Day, uh, can affect uh, the turnout. But we've got a beautiful turnout here in the room, and um, hopefully we've got a lot of folks joining us online. So praise God. I'm excited about um, our content tonight, things we're going to be talking about. And so uh, let's pray, and we'll get started. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, uh, for this opportunity, Lord, for your goodness to us. Um, Father, this uh, Christmas season, as we celebrate uh, this great gift of your Son, um, Lord, you gave him to us so that you might uh, bring us back into your family. And so, Father, thank you uh, for those who uh, are tuned in tonight, either in person or online, Lord, that uh, their hearts are to, to know you, to follow hard after you, Father, but, but also, Father, uh, to be used by you. Um, Lord, discipleship is not just about what's in it for me, uh, but, Lord, discipleship is about how we can be used uh, to make a difference in someone else's life for your glory. Father, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you that you have brought us into your kingdom. You have given us assignment where your kingdom is concerned. And Father, we are learning how to be hard at work building your kingdom in this earth. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, for your Holy Word tonight. Uh, Lord, forgive us for ever taking uh, these two for granted. Uh, Father, how lost we would be, um, how clueless we would be without the spirit of truth and without the truth that we have in your written word. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring the word alive to us tonight, that you breathe on those things that you would have to be emphasized in our hearts, and that uh, we would all uh, come out of this uh, teaching and, and learning time together, Father, more equipped uh, to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, agreeing together, and everybody said, Amen, and Amen, and Amen. All right, uh, apologies to those of you who are watching online, because you miss out on the conversations that lead up to the... Uh, the countdown and us actually coming online. So we were talking about some of the things from last week and, and one of the brothers in the room was talking about the kingdom and when Jesus sent out the first missionaries, he told them not to take anything with them, uh, but to basically uh, be dependent upon the help that other folks would give them, a place to stay, um, you know, food to eat, um, and, and these kinds of things. Um, and so the question is, you know, this brother has a friend that was a missionary who did receive some support from a church, but he also used some of his own money. And, um, and so, I, listen, my hat's off to folks. I have uh, lots of uh, missionary friends who, um, you know, sacrifice a, a whole, whole lot to go and do what God has called them to do in other countries. One thing that you have to keep in mind, though, that if, if that's not what you're called to do, then you won't have the grace to do it. And sometimes, you know, we look at the kind of sacrifices that, that those people make without realizing that because God's called them to do that, he's given them grace to do that, meaning um, they wouldn't swap places with you for all the money in, in the world. In other words, it's, it's what they're called to do, and that's where they find their, their joy and their contentment. So um, specifically, is it wrong for this gentleman to use his money? Uh, my answer may surprise you, brother. Yes, it's wrong, but not wrong on his part. It's wrong because that means somebody... Uh, isn't doing their job in sending that brother. You know, in other words, it's sad to me that missionaries do have to use their own money um, and are willing to do that um, when uh, I believe that God is speaking to somebody in a church or, or some church or, or some individual or whatever 
uh, and, and they hadn't quite come around to obeying him. The Bible says no man goes toward his own expense. And so those who are on the front lines in foreign lands, uh, hazarding their lives in many, in, in many cases, uh, they, they, should, uh, they shouldn't lack for anything. And um, so did you'll know here at Heritage, we put our money where our mouth is, where that's concerned, in that uh, you know, financing missions, efforts, and endeavors around the world is something that we place um, a very, very high priority on. One, one uh, ministry in particular, Odell Ministries, Jerry, Jerry Marilyn Odell, um, uh, they had a very wealthy man come up to him and they said, look, I want to just underwrite your whole budget. And he said, there's no way you could ever do that. And he goes, oh, you don't know how much money I have. He said, no, he said, you don't know how big of a vision I have. So in other words, what he meant by that was, you know, sir, whatever you give me, I, I'm going to try to, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to use it and then I'm going to reach on even beyond that, you know. Um, and that's just, you know, the heart of people who um, are going after missions. I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because there was something I, I was meditating on, praying about today that I did not mention last week, and I feel like it's really important because it was, it was something, pivotal, something pivotal in my own life. If you remember when he sent them out, um, he told them that um, if they receive you, let your peace abide there, but if they reject you, to shake the dust off your feet and, and, and move on you know, to the next city. A lot of times when we experience rejection, we, we don't move on. Uh, we tend to retreat back, right? And this is a, a really important word the Lord spoke to me uh, a few years back, and, and I, I just want to share it with you tonight. And, th and this was the statement that he spoke to my heart. He said, don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you. Don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you. And, and I think it's, it's only natural when you go somewhere and they reject you to think the whole world's rejected you. That because this city didn't want me, no cities will want me. Uh, because they think I'm a loser, everybody thinks I'm a loser, you know. And, and, and so that's something you know, that the enemy tries to use, I think, to stop God's people from stepping out and, and doing what they're called to do. Uh, is when you know, we receive that no or we receive that rejection or, or maybe even are persecuted. Um, you know, for what we believe, we, we can't let that stop us. And so one more time, don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who need you and want you. Because listen to me, there are people in this world who need what you have to offer them. There are people in this world who want what you have from God to offer them. And, um, but just like that, there are also people who aren't ready for you yet, okay? <laughs> and, and, um, and some of those people, sadly, may be in your own family. Um, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to minister to our families, um, but you know sometimes if your family won't receive it from you, then pray that they will receive uh, from uh, from somebody else. Praise God! All right, so that's a great question, and um, blessings to this uh, missionary friend wherever he may be in the world, uh, doing what God's called him to do. Um, and you know, I could talk about this because that's a subject that's that's pretty sensitive with me. Um, we see there was a time in the history of the church where there was a man in need and the apostles said, you know, we don't really have any money. I don't believe they were broke. I just, it may be simple-minded for me to say, but I just think they left their wallets at home that day, you know, when they said, oh man, we don't, we don't have anything on us right now, but let me tell you what we do have, you know, and, and uh, silver and gold have we none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, right? Well, whether they had money or not, what we do know is that the church today, especially in this country, 
it's, it's lots of money. <laughs> Just, you know, listen, I have no problem. Don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm thankful for nice church buildings, and, and um, we've got property here that we, you know, would like to, you know, build again in the future. Maybe, if, you know, the Lord leads and is willing, you know, has that for us. Um, but, you know, when you look at, you know, there's, there's church buildings in this city that, you know, in the tens of millions, uh, when you start counting property and building, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's, there's money to, to get people, and there's a lot of people who want to go. That's the other thing. There was a time when there wasn't many laborers, but, but the challenge that we have now is that we've got people who want to go but can't afford to go. Um, and so I, I believe the Lord's helping us and helping the church uh, get our priorities right, you know, in those areas. Um, and I think a lot of that just kind of goes back to, um, and listen, we, you know, they're, they're not with us anymore, but we've had people over the years that have gotten upset with us. You know, we made some strong missions commitments to, to um, help finance, you know, some crusades and some missionaries, and, and, um, and we did that because we, instead of building a ball field out here, you know, <laughs> And, uh, and we had a brother kind of get upset about that, you know, and his family. And, you know, it's because they, they wanted the ball field. Well, you know, amen. Um, I, I think we can have both. Don't misunderstand me. But I think, you know, they're going to be one first place in your life. They're going to be one first priority in your life. And um, I think God honors those who uh, make uh, reaching others, especially people who've never had the privilege of hearing his name a single time. When you make that a priority, um, I think this family of faith here at Heritage is living proof that Father God will, will sustain and, and uh, support. Um, and so we're very, very thankful for that. So praise God. All right, so we're talking about the kingdom. And um, uh, the, the class this evening is uh, Kingdom Overview Part 2. And then if we have time at the end, um, we're going to transition over into a section of our teaching that we just simply call Three Questions. But we ended last week pointing out that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, um, did the same kinds and types of miracles that we saw in the Old Testament in the ministry of the prophets, uh, multiplying food, healing the sick, um, uh, uh, even raising the dead, uh, things pertaining to the environment, uh, weather, rain. Um, you know, again, we see uh, all these types of, of miracles in the Old Testament, and then we also see them in the earthly ministry of Jesus with one exception, and that is Jesus cast out demons, um, and we, of course, see that that was not, at least that we see in Scripture, and I believe strategically so, uh, something that was performed by the prophets in the Old Testament. Because Jesus said in Luke 11 and 20, um, if, if you see me casting out demons with the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. And, and so when he's saying the kingdom of God has come upon you, he, he's, he's, he's talking about a new day. He's, he's talking about an, a new approach. He's talking about, you know, God doing a new thing. And he's doing a new thing, and he's doing it in a, in a new way. And this, of course, prophesied all throughout the Old Testament that there was coming a day when God would change everything. And, of course, Jesus came to change everything. And we see that he brought the kingdom, his Father's kingdom, the kingdom of God, he brought it from the third heaven here uh, to the earth and then um, offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins uh, to provide an opportunity for us to be born a second time as citizens of that kingdom. So it went from the kingdom three heavens away, very difficult to access, to the kingdom being at hand uh, right here among us. 
to now us being in the kingdom and the kingdom being in us. Now, one of my favorite, and I think, you know, how can you say one verse is more important than another because all the verses are important in the Bible. But when we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, this is such a pivotal verse because, it, it, again, it, it, it doesn't just talk about the kingdom, but it talks about the kingdom in one of the more important and practical ways that we could ever understand it, and it's in prayer. And so Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we said last week that this battle, th this verse um, uh, should become the battle cry for the church because I believe it is Father's heart for the church that his kingdom come, the power of his kingdom, the authority of his kingdom, the resources of his kingdom, the dominion of his kingdom, that it come into a situation uh, literally bringing the resources, bringing the power, bringing the authority uh, on the scene uh, so that the will of God can be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Those aren't just beautiful poetic words. Um, th th these words are expressing a, a strategic piece of God's plan uh, for your life and for my life and for this earth and for his, his will uh, for this earth. Father God wants to see his will being done on this earth as it is being done in heaven, um, right here, right now, as it is uh, right there, right now. So let's go one more time to Matthew chapter 16. I won't go into all the back explanation about Petra, Petros, uh, Peter's, Peter's name being changed. Um, we talked a lot about that. Sadly, there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ today about these things, but Jesus is talking about um, in, the, in these verses, uh, he says, uh, verse 18, Matthew 16 and 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So <clears throat> he's talking about who Jesus is being revealed to people. This is how the kingdom is established. This is how the kingdom is, is advanced. This is how the kingdom is built or expanded. So we've talked about the, the missionaries, and that's such a, a critical part. And listen, you've got home missions. You know, we're all on the mission field. Amen. Um, and I guess we were maybe referring specifically to people who go to um, foreign lands um, to establish, you know, works there. But we have been called to, to go into, into all the world, right? And um, whether you're a, a beautician or an engineer or a firefighter, it, 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 you know, we're talking about something that supersedes occupation, Okay. Um, I don't want to embarrass her, but if you've had the opportunity to hear of any, hear any of Sister Amy's stories um, as, uh, as she is employed uh, at the nursing home, not as the chaplain, <laughs> but she does a whole lot of ministry there because it, it's, it's, it's a place where, where a lot of ministry is needed. So that's not her, that's not her title. They don't pay her um, you know, uh, to pray for and minister to the staff that's there, but they welcome her uh, and, and honor her uh, and recognize her ability to do that. So, you know, keep that in mind when we talk about missionaries. We're not just talking about, you know, some unique, select handful of people. We, we all are a part of Father's business. We're all a part um, of, uh, of the mission. And so if, let's just say that we wanted to advance the kingdom. Now, there are um, parallels because in the Old Testament, remember, it was about the property 
It was about the land, uh, not the people. In the New Testament, it's about the people and not the land. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In other words, we're not, we're not going to go, you know, conquer, um, you know, Indonesia in, in the sense that we're going to overthrow the, the, the physical natural government there uh, and, and make it uh, U.S. territory or something along those lines. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if we're going to advance the kingdom into Indonesia, how do we do that? We've got people that we know that are doing that. And they're doing that by sharing the story of Jesus with people and giving them an opportunity to be born into the kingdom. So they're being born into the kingdom. The kingdom expands every time a man or a woman is born into it. And so that's how we grow the kingdom. That's how the kingdom of God advances. Jesus gave us, well, first of all, Isaiah gave us this prophecy that um, uh, you know, he'd become as a baby, but the increase of his government, there would be no end. Jesus compared it to a little bit of yeast in a big uh, ball of dough. And it, it starts small, but it eventually will leaven or bring yeast uh, and cause the entire lump of dough to rise. And so in the same way, the kingdom is here, it's here to stay, um, and it will continue to grow and advance. We look at that passage uh, in the book of Revelation where we see that there's coming a day when all the kings of this world will be and will become the kingdoms of our God. And so when he's talking about building his church on this rock, he's talking about the rock of Jesus being supernaturally revealed by the Spirit of God uh, to people. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 19 begins with the word and, okay? Do you see that? And I will give um, you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, okay? So I know that it may be obvious, but I just want to point out that you don't begin a sentence or a thought with the word and, uh, and implies what? And implies that it's connected to what came before it. So this important three-letter word and that begins verse 19 is explaining to us uh, in, in greater detail with more, uh, you know, um, more specifically how it is um, that God's kingdom will be built and how it is that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we see that it will be advanced um, by um, Jesus giving to us the keys uh, of the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we don't really use these words bind and loose. I mean, we use them if we quote this verse or if we're familiar with this verse. But this isn't, this isn't necessarily our language. Now, you have to go back to the people who originally heard Jesus say this to fully grasp, you know, what it would have meant to them. So where they would have often heard these words, when they brought a sacrifice to the temple, it had to be approved. In other words, they couldn't just bring any animal that they chose, you know, that they wanted to, you know, uh, bring in there. Uh, it, God was very specific on, on the type uh, and, and condition and quality of the animal that, that was to be sacrificed. This was, you know, side journey here. This was the whole deal about Jesus coming in and cleaning house. Um, you know, people would travel with, you know, long distances to come to the temple to make the, the sacrifices and give their offerings. And the priests would reject legitimate sacrifices, but, you know, sell them one at an outrageous price that was accepted. 
So in other words, they travel this whole far to make an offering to God, and they're like, no, 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 uh, that one's not acceptable, but you can buy mine right here uh, for $75, and, 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 and we'll pass it. And this infuriated Jesus because, again, they were making it very hard. The, the money changers, it would be like if you went to another country and, and they didn't accept U.S. dollars and you had to, to exchange the money. So that was the other thing. They had their own currency in the temple and they would exchange the money in order for people to be able to give an offering, but they were charging them outrageous rates, exchange rates, ripping them off, basically. And, and of course, we see that Jesus... Um, took care of that. But the language would have been um, if, if your animal to, you know, to, to be sacrificed was rejected, um, it, it would have been bound. In other words, it would have been refused. Um, if, if it was loosed, you know, they would have declared it loosed, then it would have been released or allowed um, to, to be offered or to be sacrificed. So when you think, and maybe you want to kind of jot this in the margin of your Bible or in your notes or something like that, but the word bind and loose either means to allow or to not allow. Um, that, literally, that's exactly what it means. And I'm not, I know some folks, you know, get nervous when we start talking about these things, but, but that is exactly what these words mean. So consider then for a moment, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you refuse to allow on earth, I will refuse to allow in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. See, we, we live in a, in, a, in a world, and I know that maybe for some of you in this room or watching online, you've never heard anybody talk about this, and it seems so um, strange and maybe even wrong. But we, we live in a world, see, where everybody's talking about what God allows. But God said he's given to you the keys, and he's saying it's whatever you allow. Now, again, maybe some of you aren't sure about this yet, but you, you can't ignore what Jesus is saying here. And if you consider as well that he repeats this again two chapters from now in Matthew 18 and 18 for emphasis, um, you will often see things repeated like, Matthew said it, and then you'll find it again in Luke or, or, or John's gospel or Mark's gospel. But when you find something repeated twice in the same gospel, uh, then you know that something very important is being emphasized there. Um, we, we understand, again, another brief side journey, we understand that the miracles that Jesus performed um, numbered in the thousands, I believe hundreds of thousands. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle John said this at the end of John's Gospel, if everything that Jesus did was recorded and written down, there wouldn't be room enough to contain the volumes. Okay, So we know that Jesus did far more than what we have recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because that means there's a very strategic reason why we have recorded what, what was recorded for us. In other words, it, it, it elevates what was, what was preserved for us. Instead of volumes and volumes and volumes, you know, we have a select group of miracles that were performed, which means we need to pay very close attention to every single detail because there's a reason why Pardon the expression, I mean no disrespect, there's a reason why that one made the cut 
when others didn't. Are you following what I'm saying here? There's a reason why. And so if you'll notice, like a lot of the ones that we have recorded, the miracles that we have recorded, um, there's unique stories associated with them. Like, and I know, I, know, I know there's probably a story behind every miracle, but like, for instance, the woman with the issue of blood. One of the things that we see in her situation is she had been sick for a long time, and yet she began to say within herself continually, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. If I but touch the hem of the garment, I'll be made well. And so there's very specific details about her receiving healing and how she received it and the, and the different uh, things that were involved and what Jesus said to her and what she said to him and what she said to herself before she ever came in his uh, presence that we need to pay very, very specific and very, very close attention to. If you could think of it as a movie, and I've never produced a movie, I've never, you know, I mean, home movies, obviously the kids, but, but you know, when you take a, a, a 90-minute movie, you know, when you watch it on the screen, it's an hour and a half long, um, they quite possibly, you know, filmed 100 hours of film and then edited it down, cut it down to, to what you, you know, see on the screen. So in the same way, if you could think about all these things that Jesus did, but when it came time to uh, record it and the Holy Spirit inspired those men to record it, he was very strategic in, in what uh, he recorded. So I said all that to say, um, when we see binding and loosing, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth will be bound in heaven, will be loosed in heaven. We see that in Matthew 16. We see it again in Matthew 18. This, this should really cause us to realize, man, this is, this is uh, uber, uber important. Uh, that we um, that we understand it now. The other thing too is, I'm I'm convinced that this is 100% true. Okay, Ex at face value, exactly what it says. We're going to talk some more about it, but but think about you know who would be behind the church not understanding this? Who would be behind us not wanting to ever know anything about this and then not believe it when we heard it? Certainly, it would be the devil, right? In other words, if this is true. And it's not what God is allowing, but it's what we're allowing because we've been given the keys of the kingdom, then there are some pretty important things that we need um, to change. Now, I'm going to put on the screen the uh, Weist translation of Matthew 16 and 19. And in my uh, humble opinion, amen, th this is uh, the gold standard of translations for this verse. And and the reason the Weist translation, I think, is important, number one, is that Kenneth Weist is a you know, Greek scholar who, who did this. But the Weist translation strives to, um, to translate a verse as, as literally as possible from um, the original uh, Greek and Hebrew. Uh, W-U-E-S-T is Weist. Um, um, I'll... I'll actually have it on the screen here in just a sec. It's a little, it is a unique spelling, okay? Um, but um, what, uh, but you'll see when I read this verse, it's kind of like trying to read the Amplified Bible. It's great for studying, but if you just want to sit there with a the Bible in your lap, you know, with a, with a crackling fire and a, and, a, and a cup of Barney's coffee, you know what I'm saying, you, uh, you, you probably are, are not looking at the Weast, okay? Um, but this is how uh, Weast translates 
Matthew 16 and 19 for us. Um, Jesus speaking, I shall give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, notice in brackets there, meaning forbid to be done. So whatever you forbid to be done on earth shall have been already bound. <laughs> I told you, right? Shall have been already bound, forbidden to be done in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, permit to be done, shall have already been loosed in heaven, permitted to be done. Okay? Now, again, you think, I don't know if that helps me or makes it more confusing, Pastor Mark. Which one is it? Well, if, you, if you'll give me a second and let the Holy Spirit help us, I think you're going to, I think you're going to see how the Weiss translation makes this really come alive. So he's saying that when we bind something on earth, what we're really doing is we're binding on earth what's already been bound in heaven. We're saying no to things that are trying to come against us on earth that have already been said no to in heaven. So notice he says, whatever you forbid to be done on earth shall have already been bound forbidden to be done in heaven. So again, we're talking about coming into agreement with God. Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. So when we talk about like praying for the sick or you know, things like uh, poverty or, or you know, the devil's bullying people, is, is the devil bullying anybody in heaven tonight? No, see, that's not allowed in heaven. That's forbidden in heaven. So when we bind the devil here on the earth in the name of Jesus, we're binding on earth what's already been bound in heaven. When we release healing and freedom and peace and joy, remember he said, if they receive you, let your peace, release it. Let your peace abide on that house. Your blessing abide on that house. But if they reject you, right, you're not going to leave your peace and blessing there. That peace and blessing is going with you to the ones who will receive you. So peace and blessing have already been released in heaven. It's a place of great peace. It's a place of great blessing. So he's saying when we release peace and blessing here on the earth, we're releasing and, and permitting to be carried out on earth what's already been permitted and what's already being carried out in heaven. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of off script for a moment to try to help you understand this. And keep in mind now, I am, I'll be 55 uh, uh, January the 3rd. Uh, so that puts my uh, teenage years in the 1980s. Okay, And among other things that were going on in the world in the 1980s was something called the Cold War. And, and this was when something called mutual nuclear annihilation. Anybody remember those words, right? Uh, this was when, <laughs> um, you know, uh, some hothead in, in, in Washington uh, was going to respond to some hothead in Russia, and they were going to push a few buttons, and the whole world was going to be uh, evaporated, right? From, from nuclear uh, weapons. And obviously, uh, in those days, and I'm sure it's still the same uh, today, uh, there you know, were enough nuclear warheads uh, on the planet uh, to basically clear, kill everybody on the planet many times over. And so this was always you know, kind of an underlying uh, issue. And because it was an underlying issue, it made its way into a lot of movies and, and films, all right? And so... There was always, you know, in these uh, scenarios where uh, a, a nuclear bomb, missiles were going to missile or missiles were going to be launched, 
you know, we, we saw, and I, I hope it has, you know, something like this in, in reality, um, where, you know, one person alone couldn't launch, uh, you know, a, a nuclear strike. It, it, it took, um, you know, two people uh, with, you know, codes or, you know, break the glass and pull some, you know, it's it some kind of elaborate, you know, set up and situation there, right? And, um, and so one in particular involved keys. And, and so this, I guess, is why keys of the kingdom. And, and so let's say that they're fixing to launch this uh, nuclear missile from uh, a submarine. And one high-ranking officer, uh, he flips open this really fancy-looking uh, little cover, and he puts the key that's on his neck, he puts it in the switch, and he turns it to launch, okay? The only problem is that nuclear missile isn't going anywhere until the other guy who has the key comes and flips the lid, sticks his key in there, and he turns to launch also, right? So now when we got both keys on launch, this is when the nuclear missile is about to take flight. Am I boring you with this, all right? What, what has this got to do with what we're talking about here? Well, if you think of it that way, then heaven has already put the key in and turned it. Are you following what I'm saying? Just waiting on you and me now to, to put our key in and say, devil, you're bound. Waiting for you and me to put our key in and say, um, you know, let, let, the, let the poor man say I'm rich, right? Let the weak man say I'm strong. Uh, strength has already been released. The, the, the key for you and me to be strong, strong in the Lord, the power of his might, that's already been put in the switch and turned to own in heaven. Anybody complaining about how weak they are in heaven tonight? Nobody in heaven complaining about weakness, right? So, it's, it's, so notice having, all, let me read it again then. I'll put it back on the screen, all right? I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, forbid to be done, shall have already been bound, forbidden to be done in heaven. So notice, the key's already in the, in the, in the launch code, has already been entered in heaven. It, it, he's waiting for you and me now uh, to come into agreement with that and to, to, to forbid on earth what's already been forbidden in heaven, to permit on earth what's already been permitted in heaven. Do you have to ask God for permission to be healed? Do you have to ask God for permission to be blessed? Do you have to ask God for permission? Do you have to beg Him to do something for you along these lines? Absolutely not. These things have already been done for you. They've already been given to us. They already belong to us. Amen? So He's saying, I've given you the keys to these things now. Not, all right, so it'd be like, um, it would be like if I reached in my pocket and I handed my wife the key uh, to a closet or a room in our house and I said, your Christmas gift's in that room. I just gave her the key um, to the door, right, that would release, <laughs> you know, her, I, I'm not going to do her that way, but you understand what I'm saying, I'm just, some simple way to explain what I'm talking about here, right? In other words, these things are ours, they already belong to you, and have been blessed, past tense, have been blessed with every, not most, not some, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's already been, it's already been done for you in the spirit realm. Now, this is what makes faith such a, a critical part of our lives is because faith is how we access these things from the realm of the Spirit and bring them into um, our life realities here on the earth. But again, if, if we keep looking at this as if we're trying to talk God into, beg God into, manipulate God into doing something for us that He's already done for us, see, we, we, we're, we're missing it, right? We're, we're waiting for Him to unlock something that he's given us the keys to unlock. Amen.
Is this making sense? Yes, I'm just, okay. Okay. Brother, I am following. I am picking up what you put. Matter of fact, I picked up what you're putting down a long time ago, brother. Yes, sir. And the answer is absolutely yes. First Peter 2.24 is a lot of verses, okay? But First Peter 2.24 to me is one of the most critical ones, right? And, and it says this, by his stripes you, anybody? By his stripes you, somebody conjugate a verb for me. It's were, yeah. So Isaiah says are. Isaiah says, by his stripes you are healed, okay? This was before um, Jesus took the stripes on his back. Remember we talked about my friend and the potato chips and, and how Jesus forgave people, uh, but he did it on credit. He made Abraham righteous on credit, uh, meaning that he gave him something that he would pay for at a later date. So anybody that was healed before Jesus took stripes on his back they were healed on credit for what Jesus would one day do to pay for their healing. Now that we're on the other side of Jesus being beaten almost to death till literally his organs were exposed so that we could be healed in our physical bodies, the Bible says, by his stripes you were healed. By his stripes you were healed. Okay? So clearly, not only does healing belong to us. Let, let's, go back, let's go back to another real simple basic. Right? How many people woke up sick in heaven this morning okay now let me let me do something right quick okay and, and I, you know we we give these little uh explanations throughout i'm not talking about both sides of my mouth okay but um the, the devil would love for us to splash around in ankle deep milk for the rest of our lives and never grow and never develop and never be stretched Okay. Um, one, of, one of the things that um, I pray, and I know some of you live in other states from other places and, you know, uh, here participating in, in a, uh, a program and, and will be going back to those places at a later point, you know, unless you're aiming, just drive an hour and a half and come on to Heritage anyway. <laughs> so, we got others that, that do that as well. I don't, you drive about an hour, don't you, Cherie, I think, or close to that. About 45, yeah, amen. Um, so praise God. I'm, no, no, thank you for those of you. We got one brother that drives from Foley. So, um, so amen. God's good. And you want to be where he wants you to be. Um, but, but please make sure that, that you find a pastor who challenges you and stretches you. I think we were talking about this um, last week with uh, Bryce Young when his dad told him, if you're the best player in that gym, you need to find another gym. Um, and so many times we... We like to be the best player in the gym or the most spiritual guy or gal in the church, you know, <laughs> uh, so that, uh, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of, I guess, respect and, and whatever that we get from that. Uh, but, you know, I, I prefer, you know, to, to listen to folks that are, that are ahead of me uh, because that's how, you know, they, they stretch me and grow me. Um, and, and so... 
you, know, you, you want somebody who places a demand on your potential and, and, and challenges you, okay? So <clears throat> I use the example of like a ship's radar, and, and you know, obviously it's advanced more and more, but you know, as that radar circles around, it's bouncing sound waves off of any potential object that may be out there, and the sound can see farther than the eye. And um, so you see all of a sudden, you know, like a, another ship that's now on the radar that previously was not. Uh, and then, of course, as it goes around, bloop, you know, <laughs> it's getting closer. Um, sometimes before things can ever be a part of your daily life, they've got to at least start by being on your radar. In other words, something that you previously were not aware of, now you become aware of it, and um, you begin to talk to the Lord about it. You begin to search the Scriptures about it. Um, years ago when I sold my cabinet business, it's a long story, but uh, I had a, I had a, um, a charcoal uh, gray Silverado truck that Pam and I had went and you know, picked it out. It was the first uh, new truck I'd ever bought. And, you know, just the Lord had really blessed us with, with the money and stuff. And, and, um, but it, it was losing a lot of oil. And so I was like, so, <laughs> this ain't right. So um, they were very nice. It took a little, um, you know, being firm about it. But they told me, I said, well, look, just go, go pick out another one, you know. And so <clears throat> we went out there. And the only one they had, they didn't have another charcoal gray one. They had this uh, maroon one. And um, I told Pam, I said, you know, I, I like that truck. I, I mean, I wanted a gray one. I said, but I, I think I'd be happy with that one. I said, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen one that color. It might, must be something rare. It must be, you know, some kind of new thing, so whatever. So, so anyway, we did the paperwork, swapped the trucks. And I think on the way home, I saw three or four of those trucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. But what happened? See, now it's on my radar. See, now it, th those trucks have been there all the time. I just hadn't been aware of them. But now that I'm driving one and my eyes are open to them, I'm seeing them everywhere. And so when we talk about God's will to heal, and we have like lists of verses here at Heritage, a hundred things the Bible says about healing and, and healing our bodies for today and, and things of this nature. But... You know, you, you could have perhaps been raised in a religious type, traditional type church that would have told you that God doesn't do these things anymore. And there's, there's all kinds of false information out there that doesn't line up with what the Word of God says that is, you know, strategically being used by the devil, as, as Paul says, to cheat you, to, to, to rob from you um, what Jesus paid such a, a huge, huge price for us to have. Um, a couple of experiences that um, I've sh I shared one recently in, in a class at the Foundry uh, was when uh, our sister Brandy, she, this was years ago, they were watching The Passion of the Christ in the scene where he was being um, beaten, uh, Jesus was being beaten, and, and clearly the Bible says he was, he was, those stripes from that whip were put on his body so that our bodies could be healed, and in, in that moment she jumped up was, you know, lights were dim and it was kind of quiet in there. She jumped up and she said, I'll never smoke another cigarette um, and sat back down. And they're all like looking at her like, what in the world? But she explained it to me later. She says, when I realized how much he wanted me healthy, she said, that was what motivated me to want to be healthy myself.
See, nobody's shaming her, nobody condemning her, nobody making wise you know, cracks about it or whatever. It, it was when she realized how much Jesus wanted help for her body, that was what motivated her. Um, so I said, too, that was, that was one. But when I saw it for the first time myself, I was, Pam and I were actually in a theater, um, and uh, that, that scene, probably more than any other scene in, in, that, in the movie, is, is the one that just gripped me. That one, I tell you, the opening scene, if you've ever seen the movie, the opening scene where you see the heel come down on the serpent's head and that gravel, ah, that's good stuff right there. But anyway, he's, he's sitting there um, being beaten, and, um, and I'm getting pretty emotional about it. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, and I can't get most of my ministers to even preach healing to their people. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, he paid this much of a price so that my body could be healed. And, and I'm just like overwhelmed by it. And it's like the Holy Spirit's like, yeah. And, and, and so many of my ministers won't even tell the people that this is what Jesus did for them so that, so that they could be healed. So by stripes, you, you were healed, um, not will be healed. Um, if you're going to really learn and grow and develop, true walking by faith requires a modification of the, of the language, okay? <laughs> and uh, see, we like to talk about going to get healed. We, we also like to talk about hoping and praying, but Jesus never told us to hope and pray. He told us to believe and pray, pray and believe, right? So there's a difference. There's a, there's a big difference in, in that, okay? Um, hope is, is important, but hope is a confident expectation for something in the future, um, believing is believing that something has already happened that you have no physical evidence to, to support or prove yet. Um, but you believe it because God's word says um, that, it, that it's true. So, yes, sir. It's good, brother. Yeah, but notice the language. That's before Jesus. Heal me and I shall be healed. For us, it's heal me because I am healed. You know what I'm saying? Heal me because... <laughs> Can't take... Heal because I am healed. So here, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. I had a... I, had a, um, I could share stories. You know, the, the, healing is more than just something that, that Pam and I talk about. It, it's something that we've experienced uh, time and time again in our own lives. But... Um, it was around this time of year, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, um, I had this issue with a bone in my foot, and um, it wasn't broken. The doctor was like, it'd be better if it was broken, you know, and I'm like, how could something be better if it was broken? He said, we could fix if it was broken. He said, I, I can't fix that, um, and uh, so he gave me this boot. Of course, we made a joke about it, laughter does good like a medicine that it my son was really into Star Wars back, he was a kid, you know, in those days, and, and um, so the joke was that black boot was my Darth Vader starter kit, and um, <laughs> they also had, uh, uh, what was his, uh, what was that Mr. Gadget, what was that, Pam, at McDonald's, you could go, and the Happy Meal toy, was it Mr. Gadget? Inspector Gadget, thank you. That's Inspector to you, that's Inspector to you, young lady, not Mr. Gadget, okay. And um, so, you know, you would go and get a Happy Meal and you'd get a leg and you'd go get a Happy Meal and you'd get the arm. Yeah, so, so I was like, you know, I got the boots. So. But anyway, um, and, you know, so they fitted me for these shoes that had this gap in the middle where the bone wouldn't receive pressure. And 
and all this other stuff. And, and man, it just hurt me and hurt me and hurt me. And, and I'm trying not to complain about it, you know. And so the, the, the turning point for me was um, I was in prayer out in the sanctuary and was talking to the Lord about my foot. And this was the realization. And, and sometimes, it, like, let's go back to that woman. She said within herself continually, if you'll meditate the Word of God, if you'll keep hearing the Word of God, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, not by having heard, by hearing, you, you plant it, you water it, it begins to grow and develop uh, in you, just like wrong thoughts and wrong thinking planted in our lives over a period of time grew and developed and produced the wrong kind of fruit in us. But there will come a day when it just, it just explodes in you. I don't know how to explain that. Um, it just comes alive in you, and you know that you know that you know. And, um, and so this was that, that moment for me. And, and, and this was what I heard myself. I was, I was praying in the Spirit, and I don't know if I was interpreting what I was praying in the Spirit or just the Holy Spirit inspired me to say this, but this is what I said. I said, Lord, I said, you said that my foot's healed, and my foot says it's not healed. Somebody's lying, and it's not you. Okay. I know that sounds like a silly thing, but I just, it was just like I realized then, um, my foot, God says I'm healed, my foot says I'm not. And I kept believing the pain in my foot over what the Word of God said. And, and um, <clears throat> so I wish I could tell you that it's like quit hurting immediately, but in about four days, um, and I, that was 12 years ago, and I've never, never had a problem with it ever since. And the, and the doctor said I'd live with the rest of my life. So, so but it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the devil comes immediately to steal the word. It's what Jesus taught us. And so when you hear things like this, the devil wants to try to steal that from you. He wants to try to discourage you. He wants to try to tell you, just like when you got saved, you know, he tried to stop you, but you got saved, but then he probably told you a few hours later, at least the next morning, nothing happened. And he was always trying to negotiate us into a, a less than um, uh, position. Um, and so let me, let me tell you how healed you are. He, he said that you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick would recover. Um, so notice that's the, that's the loosing, that's the, that's the releasing. That's come kingdom, be done will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Um, how many people are sick in heaven right now? Nobody. So when we're praying for someone who's sick on this earth to be healed, notice we're praying for the resources of God's kingdom to come into that situation and to bring healing in that person's life right here on earth just as it is in heaven. If that person was in heaven instead of on the earth, they wouldn't be sick, right? They wouldn't be sick. And so... Um, we think sometimes of the will of God as like que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Whatever happens is magically, deliciously, somehow, you know, rainbows and, and pixie dust, the will of God. When it's not, the will of God, there's, there's battle arms drawn around the will of God. Satan does not want the will of God to come to pass in your life. Satan does not want you to have God's best and for you to fulfill your purpose and destiny. And so that's why you didn't wake up in a neutral world this morning. He's trying um, to resist us, and he comes immediately to steal the word, and he steals 100% of the word from you that you never hear, okay? But if, you know, the, the number one way he steals the word from people, number one, is they, don't, is, they, is they don't hear it. But then we see where Jesus began that parable is that people hear the word, but they don't understand it. And when they don't understand the word, it makes it very easy for the devil to come and steal it from them. That's why um, 
you know, especially some of you who are more advanced in, in some of these things, and there's people in this room that can teach this class, okay? <laughs> I don't know how many times Pam's been through it. She can stand up here and teach this stuff, you know? Um, Cherie, I mean, others, you know. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, one of the reasons why I, I try to take the time, especially in this class, and some of you are in other classes, you know, that I'm honored uh, to be able to serve you in, but is, is I want to make sure that anybody who wants to understand it can understand it, because if, if you don't understand it, it's going to be very easy for the devil uh, to, uh, to steal uh, from you what God's trying to, to plan in your heart. And so remember, he's an agricultural God in a mechanical digital world. And, and you know, we like to push buttons and, and things happen. Um, God plants seeds and those seeds take root and they grow and they develop and they produce harvest um, in our lives. And so if you're here tonight or if you're online watching tonight and you've dealt with some type of chronic health issue or what have you, um, nobody's judging you. That, that's, a lot of times you start talking about healing or you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people get defensive. You know, it's like, well, he thinks I'm a bad Christian because I don't speak in tongues. Nobody said that. That's, that's, think about what that says about yourself and that's your response to somebody trying to tell you something God's wanting to do in your life, right? Um, but if, if we don't do anything but get it on somebody's radar tonight, that God's desire is for you to be whole and well and healed, right? And, um, and you've got to think about what comes out of your mouth. It's, it's going to be early January before we get there, but, but, you know, the Bible says that you can have what you say, Okay? You can have what you say, that your, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Your tongue is like the bit in the horse's mouth. And, and, and it literally charts the course that your life follows. Because you were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, I'm going to say it again. Listen very carefully. The Bible says you can have what you say, but most of God's people won't quit saying what they have. You can have what you say, but we won't quit saying what we have, right? And so rather than saying, my foot's healed, we say, my foot's killing me. Notice, you say, well, it's an exaggeration to say it's healed. Well, it's an exaggeration to say it's killing you. I mean, it makes it sound like you're like kicking yourself in the head till you die. No, your foot's not killing you, okay? You see, you see oh, my back's killing me. See, again, death and life in the power of the tongue. Why, why do we speak death over these things? You know? And people say, oh, you, you know, there's nothing to that. Same people say there's nothing to that will we'll literally you know, let their car break down and watch them cuss it out. They'll call that car anything but a child of God. So what if we're praying, like, praying for somebody not my dad and has a serious thing, or something like that, but we can really pray for them, and we believe that God will. But it was the person, but I don't know the death of that relationship, but I don't know. But it bothers me that we don't believe that God will. So yeah. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, we see this in Jesus' case, right, where he, he went to his own hometown, and the Bible says because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty work there. Not because, you know, not he wouldn't, he couldn't, okay? So what did he do? Um, the Bible says that he went from town to town, village to village in a circuit, meaning a pattern, right, teaching the Word of God, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, like, if your dad needs healing and he doesn't, believe in healing, obviously pray for your dad, um, and then, you know, would he perhaps read a book on healing or watch a video well, about healing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
I was reading it, let's see, yesterday, somewhere, Acts, between Acts, I don't know, 12, I, I apologize for not knowing the verses, but, you know, there was a, a, Peter was, or was it Paul? I believe it was Paul. One of those dudes was preaching, and um, the, the part that stood out to me is the part, you know, that, that I remember, is that he's preaching, and there was a guy that was there that was, that was crippled, and, and, and it said that he perceived, I guess the Holy Spirit showed him, he perceived that that man had faith to receive healing. And so he said, sir, you know, would, would you like to be healed? Yes, yes, sir, you know. So um, uh, w without getting into all the different aspects of that, we see my grandfather's a classic example of, of someone who was healed who wasn't even saved. Um, you know, so acts of mercy, you know, and that was my mother praying for him for 50 years, you know, um, and, and God supernaturally intervening uh, in, in that situation. So, amen, but... Keep in mind, so you pray for your dad's healing. Is he saved? Yes, okay. So obviously we want to start there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So maybe find, uh, I know I've talked a little bit about Jesse Duplantis, and just because he's he's real funny, you know, has humor mixed in with his messages, but he's very real. And um, so, you know, maybe find a YouTube video that Jesse Duplantis talking about healing. Hey, Dad, come here, watch this guy. You know, I ain't never seen a preacher like this. You know, and again, just starting to plant those seeds. You know, and and um, and, and ministering to him. Obviously, you know, pray, take authority over demonic spirits that are blinding him, and and uh, his eyes will be open to the truth and spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of God, and all those good things. Yeah. So. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't pray for him. Do and believe God, um, but also remember, you know, you got that person's will and, and where they are and, and, and what they're thinking and believing. Uh, but it doesn't mean that can't change. You know, so in other words, if if the problem is they they don't know the Lord, then let's let's get them to know the Lord. If the problem is they know the Lord but they don't know what belongs to them because of who they are in Christ, then let's see how we can start, you know, introducing them into into those uh, into those things. Yeah, yes, sir. I, I'm not trying to avoid those questions, and, and obviously they're questions that I've asked the Lord, I've searched the scriptures, I've talked to other people who know more about these things than I do, and I think, let's go back to, um, there's a man who was born blind, and Jesus wanted to heal him, but the disciples wanted to Theorized. They wanted to talk about why he was blind and was it his sin, was it his appearance sin, all this other stuff. And Jesus looked at him and was like, well, you know, where are you, what are you, where are you coming from on all this? this? We're not here to try to figure out who's to blame. We're here, right? So 
I think sometimes we can get lost in the weeds of, of those type situations. And, you know, I think sometimes it, it can be obvious, you know. Um, I think a lot of times, though, we, just, we don't know those answers. But, again, let's go back to don't let the rejections keep you from the people who, does that make sense? In other words, I wish I could tell you every person I've ever laid my hands on was, was instantly healed. It's not the case. I've seen a lot of folks healed. I've seen a lot of folks uh, uh, delivered and, and set free. The brother that was here when y'all were here, I think it was two Wednesday nights ago. Um, I won't, obviously, names and stuff, but I remember the Sunday night when Pam and I laid hands on him, brother, and the power of God, I mean, it, it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was uh, it was serious. I mean, he's, he's still talking about it eight years later. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it was, it was a, a, a momentous event. Um, cast out demons and things of that nature. Demons manifest themselves, you know, in, in, in that sort of situation. But, you know, to sit here and tell you that, it, that that's been the case every time. And so um, the, the, the key is that, you know, if they, if they receive your ministry, then let your peace abide there. If they don't, don't stop. Right. And and I've you know, I've asked the Lord, you know, all kinds of situations, you know, Lord, help me, not because I'm trying to be critical or hard on myself or that I'm trying to be critical or hard of somebody on somebody else. I just want to learn. Right. Because the bottom line of it is people need help. And and, and a lot of people need the, the only kind of help that, that God can give. There was a lady who and she's with Jesus now. There was a lady who, who came to this church. For years and years and years, she actually uh, came first to the foundry, not um, not to be a part of the program, um, but we found out later that she had uh, an issue with alcohol. Um, um, but she was, I guess you would say, special needs, adult uh, special needs, and um, functioning, but still special needs. And um, so she would go and she would sit in the lobby of the men's admin. And we didn't know till later that um, her her daughter had said, "Mom, go up there and see if they can help you." And so she would just walk up there and, and sit, you know. And um, so I met her from there. And so she came here uh, to Heritage. How many years, Pam? Goodness, a bunch of years. Okay. And again, she's with Jesus now. Um, but I don't want to exaggerate this, but. And the Lord knows my heart, I'm not trying to exaggerate it, but it was something like six years before I ever got her to say something positive. I'm, not, I'm just telling you. It's like, and, and, and so our family of faith here showed her a lot of mercy and a lot of grace because she'd start calling you at six in the morning or earlier, you know, and then call you 17 more times that day, you know, is that, is that kind of deal. And just lonely and, you know, just needed somebody to love her. And we loved her. We loved her good. We loved her well. We loved her like Jesus. And I'm, I'm honored to be a part of a family of faith that loved her that way. And, and people would go and get her and carry her to get her nails done. And just, you know, we just, amen. You know, and, and um, but, uh, you know, in her situation, just so negative. It's, you know, negativity destroys faith. I mean, you can't, you got you know, you got, at some point you've got to turn the page. At some point you've got to, you know. And um, so, but every situation is different. 
you know, I think one of the most important things for us is we've got to be confident in, in know in whom we have believed and persuaded that he is able, right? Um, and, and then as we go, you know, to minister to others and, and do, you know, what, what he has had said to do. Um, I, I know just, you know, for me personally, um, a lot of people wait until there is some serious issue to try to get serious. Am I boring y'all with all this? They wait till there's some serious issue in their life to, 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 to take their relationship with God seriously. To, to you know, um, and there's, there's, a, there's a learning curve. There's a faith curve. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things. There's, there's sowing and reaping. There's, there's just lots of spiritual laws that, you know, people don't understand. They don't abide by. Um, and, and sometimes those things, you know, catch up with them. But again, I'm, that's not a, I'm not trying to judge people. I'm not trying to, um, I've just, I've seen too many miracles. I've experienced too many uh, in my life, you know, to, for anybody to ever convince me that God, you know, doesn't do that and doesn't want to do that. And, and the other side of the coin, you know, like maybe somebody's not sure about God healing or anything like that. One thing I can guarantee you is, um, somebody that's hurting and suffering and sick, they want some relief and some help and, and, uh, and some benefit. Amen, or me on that one. So, um, but I think, you know, not to just, you know, try to do a, a hard snatch back into the center lane of what we're talking about tonight, but I think ignorance, and if you're ignorant, that's not, you know, in, in the South, that could be a fighting word, right? But it, ignorant just means you don't know, and if you don't know, you don't know, Right? <laughs> What did God say? He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And he goes on to say that they lack knowledge, not because knowledge isn't available, but because they'd rather watch Netflix. I watch Netflix, I'm, not, I'm just saying, but they, in other words, they've rejected knowledge. The knowledge is there for them, um, but, you know, they're not coming at... at five o'clock after getting up at five in the morning and driving an hour and a half to sit in a two-hour class in an a hour and a half service. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And so, you know, when we, my people perish for lack of knowledge, um, ignorance on our part equals an advantage against us on the devil's part, Second Corinthians 2.11. Um, I think it's Isaiah 53, Isaiah... Forgive me on that one, but you know, basically he says, my people, again, uh, my mighty men, have a hunger that can't be satisfied and a thirst that can't be quenched because of a lack of knowledge. So when we are ignorant of, of these things and we don't know, um, it, it creates uh, a situation where uh, it's very easy for the devil to steal from us. I've said this in here, I think, recently, but the one thing that's the easiest for a thief to steal is the thing that you don't know is yours. If you, don't, if you don't know healing is your birthright, healing is the children's bread, right? If you don't know healing is your birthright and healing is the children's bread, it's very easy for the devil to steal it because you don't even know, it's, you don't even know he did, right? Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am.
So to quote a hero of faith of mine, Kenneth E. Hagan, um, bless her darling heart and ignorant head, right? To ever say something like that to anybody, much less her own flesh and blood, right? So I'll try not to get Papa Bear defensive uh, against that sort of thing, okay? So the good news is, yes, Jesus um, came to save us spirit, soul, and body, all three dimensions of, of our being, okay? And how that salvation um, works in those different dimensions, right, is important, again, for us to understand. We will spend a great deal of time talking about it in here. But this, the new birth begins with your spirit. That's when a man or woman receives Jesus into their heart. And he doesn't refurbish your spirit. He buries your old one and installs a new one, okay? And then, so that's the part where the Bible says that we have been saved. Um, then the Bible also talks about our salvation in the present tense, ongoing work, our being saved. And that would be um, our soul. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will, or your, your, the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that makes choices. The driving factor in the soul is the mind or the thinking because emotions are produced by thoughts and choices are influenced by emotions. So if, if we're ever going to have the work of God in our emotions, it has, to, it has to start with a new birth in our spirit and then let God help us with our thinking, right? Because when somebody tells you that, that you know, rejects us, right, tells us that we're not, that's why the devil, um, I'm not trying to minimize, I don't, I don't, surely no one in this room, maybe somebody in this room, I shouldn't say that, ha, has an identical situation to yours, but there's not a person in this room that hasn't experienced rejection on some level. And, and it's because it's one of the most powerful tools the devil tries to use against us. Because what he's ultimately trying to form in us, the devil's ultimately trying to form in us a wrong self-image. He's trying to get us to believe things about ourselves that aren't true. Okay? So once the spirit's born again, the emotional healing takes place through the mental healing Okay. Now, I want to clarify because there can be mental illness, okay? and mental illness would be like when the human brain is not functioning properly. So mental illness would actually fall under the category of physical healing, where you know, some people would come to Jesus and, the, and they would present as someone who was demon-possessed, but they weren't demon-possessed. They had an organic brain disorder that was creating epileptic-type uh, uh, seizures and things of that nature, and he would, he would heal their physical body. There were other times people would come to Jesus that it seemed like they absolutely had some kind of physical disease, and he would cast the devil out of them. It was something spiritual, right? So it's, it's the concept of psychosomatic. I don't know if you ever heard that expression. Suche is the soul. We get our word psych, psyche from that. Um, and soma is the body, so it's the, it's the mind-body connection, all right? So when I hear you talk about mental, emotional, um, I'm hearing soul, not brain, okay? Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm referencing here. So think hardware, software, the brain being the hardware, uh, the thoughts and thinking in our hearts and minds being the software, right? And so all emotional distress is a result of thoughts, that are not in alignment 
with the truth, okay? You know, so the devil, the world, people that should be loving you, you know, jumping on board, strangers telling you, you know, you can't, you're not, this, that, all these other things. Um, and so the devil's hoping that we'll believe those things, right? And, and when, when he first tells us those things, we don't believe him, right? When we're little kids, we don't believe that stuff, uh, at least initially, all right? But the devil plants the seed, and then he waters the seed, right? So he, there's not a person in this room that the devil hasn't told, you're not as good as everybody else, you're not like everybody else. Come on, let's all admit it. He's, uh, he's told us all that, right? Okay. So he tells us that line. We're like, you know, we're little kids. We're like, yeah, I can't. I can outrun Susie, and I'll whoop Joey right now. You know, it's, you know we, we respond that way, right? Uh, but then we're picked last for the kickball team, and the devil jumps on your shoulder and says, see, I told you, right? Right? Um, then we, you know, we send Joey a note, you know, or Susie a note, you know, do you like me? Will you go with me? Whatever the terminology is, this, you know, circle one, yes or no, right? And you're over there, like, looking to see, and she starts laughing with her friends and shows it, and they all laugh, and they wad it up, throw it in the garbage. The devil's on this shoulder now. See, I told you. So, in other words, he tells us the lie that we initially do not believe, but then he starts trying to create all these different scenarios in life to reinforce that lie until eventually, if, if, if we're not careful, we do believe it, okay? So where all that healing, and it's already started, sister, right? Amen. <laughs> but where that, where that healing starts and how it grows is when, once again, spirit's born again, now we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, not in light of what's happened to us, what's been done to us, um, but who we are um, in Christ and in and that reality and that truth. So, amen. I've got a, there's, there's some, they float around here. I, I was looking to see if I had one over here, but I don't. But um, I have a, uh, um, a, uh, a thing the Lord gave me that's, uh, it's, it's a self-image based upon what's, what's been done for me. The devil wants us to have a self-image based upon what's been done to us. Okay, <laughs> right? And he wants us to see ourselves and think of ourselves in light of, of what we've been through in life, what's been done to us, what we've experienced, the, the, the pain and this and that, and how all of that creates within us a wrong self-image. And, and we see clearly when God, through the angel of the Lord, has this conversation with a man named Gideon in the Old Testament. Um, he starts all this, you know, about what's been done to him, and God responds to him very gently but very firmly, um, with all that's been done for him. See, because God knows that if Gideon, and God knows that if, if, if you and me, if, if we will start seeing our, let's use one, like our self-worth, right? If, if we would start seeing our worth, not in light of our failures, mistakes, what other people have said, this and that, but if you would just start realizing how much Jesus paid for you, how much you are worth to him, right? You see what I'm saying? Right? So th notice this is a, a self-image based upon what's been done for you as opposed to what's been done to you. And as, as, we, as we, and I wish I could tell you that, that that change happens overnight. Salvation, your spirit being born again happens like that. The other one is, is a journey, it's a process. Um, sometimes it, it may not feel like we're making the, the progress that we need to make, but then I think maybe you've already experienced some of these. Um, but if not, I promise you there's some really close, I call them these breakthroughs, you know, where you chip away, chip away, chip away, and then all of a sudden, poof, they cave in, it's like, woo, you know, um, in, in, in those areas. But the devil's a liar. But if, Jesus, if, if, 
He's more than a liar. If, if all Jesus wanted us to know about the devil was that he was a liar, he would have called him a liar. But he didn't call him a liar. He said he's the father of lies because he wanted to unmask the devil as the origin of all untruth, of all lies. And he also wanted us to understand a little bit about, and I know we're in mixed company, but he also wanted us to understand a little bit about how the devil works. And that is the devil wants to father his lies in us. In other words, he wants to impregnate us with the nasty seed of his lies. And the longer we think on and meditate on the lies of the devil, the greater the probability or possibility of conception, right? I'm not talking about, I'm not about conceiving a baby. I'm talking about conceiving um, a, a thought in our, in our minds. Yes. Proverbs 29 came to mind, but that ain't it. Somebody help me. Is it 27? Amen. I'll find it for you, sister. I ought to know it, but I don't, and I apologize. Um, but as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Yes. Come on, sister. That's hugely important, right? So, so what is faith? Faith is believing and responding to what God has said when there may be no physical evidence in our life that, that supports it. But it's true because God said it's true. So when he says, when he says I'm free... If I don't, even if I don't look free or smell free or act free, right? If he says I'm free, then I'm not going to say or believe anything about myself other than I'm, I'm free. And um, I, I, I tell the story, uh, and we'll get to, like I said, a lot of this in the days ahead. But um, I was preaching on a Sunday morning here at Heritage. There was a young man, um, 23, thank you, Pam, 23-7. Um, there was a young man that had struggled with addiction. He had already been, oh, I don't know how many recovery programs that he had been through at that point. Um, and uh, he was sitting on the front row on this side, and um, he was doing well. He'd been doing well for, for several weeks and uh, maybe even longer. And, um, and I was preaching, you know, say what God says about you, believe what God says about you. And it was one of those things on a Sunday morning, not that, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't trying to shock anybody. It wasn't in my notes. I had no, I had no uh, plans on saying this. I never even thought about saying this until in that moment. In that moment, this is what I said. I said, I don't care if you have to say it with a Budweiser in your hand. Say it, right? Okay. And I thought that was kind of an odd thing, and I hope I didn't offend anybody, you know. Um, well, this is why the Lord had me say that. It was a few weeks later walking on a hotel balcony down in Bessemer, going, to a hook, going into a room. Y'all may already know the story, right? He was going into a room um, to, uh, get, to get high, and he had bought him a long-neck Budweiser uh, bottle um, to kind of take the edge off. Uh, he already made up his mind what he was going to do. He was walking on that hotel balcony, uh, and he took a swig of that beer, and he saw that Budweiser in his hand, and he, and he heard the Holy Spirit if you have to say it with a Budweiser in your hand, say it, right? Okay. Anybody know the story? Anybody heard the story? Okay. That was uh, Wes Johnson, counselor at the Foundry. Yeah. That was Wes, right? And that was the breakthrough moment in his life when he like, realized, you know what? This isn't me. This isn't who I am, right? And um, so... Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but you said so many things there I'd love to comment on because you're making such good points. You left out one. You left out probably more than one. Perception, right? See, that's because ultimately perception is how you see it from that point forward. And so, man, if, if how we see it is wrong, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a world of hurt, right? You know, if, if the way you see it is God's will, you know, if, if the way you see it, this is what God wanted. If, if the way you see it, you know, you'll never amount to anything. So, that, so then the, the perception, right? Of these things exactly filters all the above and so where the instant gratification from sin and things of that nature comes in it may be instant but the devil I, I, I know I'm using all kinds of different analogies tonight so let let's use a football example okay yards after catch okay yards after catch so um, a quarterback can throw a two-yard pass uh, you know, throw the ball two yards in the air, a receiver catch it, run 40 yards to the end zone, and in the paper the next day, it's going to say that quarterback threw a 42-yard touchdown pass. Except for he only threw it two yards, and then the other guy ran 40. That's the yards after the catch, okay? So when it comes to our sin, um, the devil isn't really interested in what I call the face value of a sin, Okay? He's not just trying to get you to sin so he can go, nah, 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 boo-boo, I made you sin, right? That's not what he's interested in. He's interested in all the mileage he can wring out of that sin, right? How he can use that sin, pleasure in the moment, right, to affect the conception, the inception, the perception, right? How he's using all that. See, he knows what most of God's people do not know, and that is that God's not even keeping record of that silly sin, right? That that sin's already been paid four years ago. That when God forgave you for your sins, he forgave you not for part of it, but for all of it, right? Uh, and he knows that what a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy, 1 John 3, because you've been born again, God's seed abides in you, and you don't sin because you can't sin, right? So, but, but again, the devil's not interested in that. You know, he's, see, <laughs> he, you see, you think, well, he's just trying to drag us all to hell. He knows he can't drag you to hell if you're a child of God, because if you're a child of God, you abide in the Father's house forever, right? But again, he's trying to keep you, he's trying to contain you, first of all. He doesn't want you to start finding these things out for yourself because when you find them out for yourself, they're so good, you can't stop yourself from telling other people about it, right? And so again, you're a threat to him whether you've ever seen yourself or understood yourself as a threat to him or not. And so it's the thinking, right? So we, we do these things, these gratifying things in the moment, cave in the temptation, whatever. You know, The devil is hoping that you will kick yourself for three weeks. He's hoping that you will not worship God on Sunday because you sinned on Saturday. He's hoping that, that you won't even go to church because you, your guilt and shame. And I was just, see, again, it's, it's, it's not just about the sin for him. 
It's about what, he, what lies he can tell you or lies that he's already told you that he can use those actions to reinforce uh, in, in your life. Back to that self-image, back to how you see yourself, right? And so you start saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the devil's going to start pointing to everything in your life that doesn't line up with that. But righteousness by faith doesn't mean I'll believe it when I see it. Righteousness by faith means I believe it because God said it, right? Amen. It's a good point. Good comments. Amen. This is, you know, I, I almost want to apologize to everybody online because, first of all, they obviously are not experiencing what we're experiencing in here because they probably can't even hear some of your questions and comments. And it's the Wednesday before Christmas, and we're just having a good time up in here. Um, but this is what, you know, we used to do in here. This, used, this was discipleship class right here. I mean, teaching, talking, discussing questions, you know, people all the way to the back wall. Um, and so I am getting uh, jazzed about it uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yes? Yeah, well, but, okay, so when we talk about mental illness, all right, um, it can be, I have to be careful here because, you know, you start, everybody starts trying to find the devil under every rock, okay? There are people who legitimately have some issue with their, I call it the meat computer, Okay, the brain, <clears throat> and 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 that creates, um, like our sister that I that I had referred to that was here, um, she she her mental capacity um, was was very very low. Right. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, all right. So that that is, um, you know, something an issue with her physical brain, and when we talk about being fearfully and wonderfully made, th this. This body is a very complex bioelectric computer, man. I mean, it's, it's you know, and so something can be, can be off in, in the brain organically, physically, all right? But the other, the other cause of mental illness is one that, for the most part, people in our world today don't even think exists, and that's exactly what the devil's hoping they'll think, is it's demonic possession or, or, or demonic, okay. Oh yeah. I remember uh, that in the in the, in the moment it didn't seem like nothing, but like if I um, mentioned the name Jesus, if I listened to something on the phone, like they looked uncomfortable in their skin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And listen, when you when you go to other countries and nations, um, and and this is a general rule of thumb. It may not be exact or specific, but I've asked the Lord. I'm like, Lord, why do we see more demonic activity or what I call manifestation uh, in, in some places like developing countries or other countries and, and we don't see it here in the United States. It's not because the, the, the Satan's not present in the United States. This is the best answer and it, it, some people shoot it down. I know we got folks watching tonight all over the world or whatever so I'm not trying to offend anybody. 
But I think in the devil, like, you know, Pam and I were at a, this was in the United States now, we were at a meeting where it was a woman, right, Pam, that went down on her belly and slithered like a snake with her hands, her hands and feet behind her and her head up like this, and she went down the aisle, dude, I'm just telling you, okay? All right, so, um, <laughs> but you see more of that in other countries, okay, because of the shock value of it. People, it scares people, it freaks people out, okay? And so I think the devil manifests more in some places because of the fear factor of it. In the United States, I think we've come to, he's, he has a different strategy. And that is for nobody to believe he exists. So no wonder that he doesn't really ma manifest himself that much. Now we've, we've seen it, don't misunderstand me, here and other places. Um, but I think that's, that's a big factor. Now, brother went through the Eptions while ago. Um, let's go through the, um, the Pressions while ago. You can have, uh, right now, you can have uh, you know, someone who is oppressed of the devil. That means the devil applying pressure to them. Um, you can have someone who is experiencing depression, okay? Again, um, uh, suppression, repression, all right? And then, of course, the ultimate one is possession, so not everyone who is, is, is being uh, influenced or, or pressed upon by the devil uh, in some way uh, is necessarily possessed by the devil. Um, but, you know, remember, I think I said this in here, um, Lord of the Flies, did we talk about Lord of the Flies in here, Beelzebub? Okay, so there are certain things that people can do and certain things that people can hold on to um, that, uh, that the devil right is, is attracted to and so the scriptures to born-again believers now this is true of anybody but especially to born-again believers is give no place to the devil so you know there are certain things that that we can do that we can hold on to that we can uh, participate in that that literally become doorways you know for uh, for the enemy to to uh, torment and what have you and um, No, I walked in. Yeah. Yeah, that devil started talking. <laughs> I'm not talking about the woman. I'm not calling her a devil. Oh, no, I've never seen one before in my life. I didn't in those days. Maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, praise God. Yeah. And so there, there were, um, it's a long story, but 
there were some things that, um, and I, I'm a little more reserved than this, but when the Holy Spirit starts getting on you, you know, and he, was, he really was on me that night, uh, boldness. And so the Lord told me, he said, there's, there's things in this house that are, that are giving the devil that, op, that, you know. And so I just asked him, I said, do you mind if I walk around your house? And they're like, you know, the dad was like, he was freaking out. I mean, he was scared, you know. He was like, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. And, um, and so I found a bunch of junk in, the, in one of the bedrooms, you know, that obviously was, uh, praise God. So... <clears throat> Deliverance came to that house. Amen. So that was a Saturday night. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about major, major miracles, deliverance, God putting somebody back in the right mind, devil out of there, you know, all that stuff, right? Saturday night. Um, they weren't at church. They weren't at church Sunday morning. See what I'm saying? And then something, so we called him. I'm like, hey, everything okay? Oh, yeah, man, preacher, thank you so much. I, man, I'm not to thank you enough. I just, I said, yeah, I thought I'd see you at church. Oh, we was tired. Man, after all that, we was tired, right? I said, okay. I said, well, praise God. I said, you know, we got service tonight at 6. Well, you know, we got work in the morning. Oh, no, sister. Praise God. No. No, 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 no. He first twelve cast them out. Second seventy cast them out. Those who believe on my name will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, lay their hands on sick, sick will recover. Yeah, absolutely, sister. That's not just for a, that's not just for a preacher. Any born again believer has authority over the devil in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you got it, sister. See, he don't want us to know that. He don't want us to know that. Yes, sir, brother. You've had your hand up for a long time. You know, some of the, the staunchest uh, atheists and agnostics came to Christ because of Adolf Hitler. Because they thought, you know what, all we got to do is just talk to this man and show him what he's doing is wrong. You know, they, they believed in reason, and, and, and then they, once they realized, they said, no, this is pure evil that can't be rationalized, that can't be contained. They realized that it's kind of similar to what you're saying. And so they're like, man, if if the power of darkness is there, then there's got to be something on the other side, something greater than, than, than that. And wound up getting born again, yeah, through that whole, through that whole fiasco. So, um, well, I think we've, we haven't even got through the uh, introduction tonight. <laughs> um, praise God. But that's okay. Amen. I, I, you know, um, <clears throat> there's something about this time of year and I heard somebody say before class, you know, that the theory is Jesus was born any time but, but December, you know what I'm saying? Um, obviously, you know, they, they, they were pagan holidays that the church said, you know, what we're, we don't want our people participating in a pagan holiday, so we're going to Christianize it, and, and we're going to make it a, a, a holy holiday. And I know there's some folks that just, it absolutely freaks them out. I, I, I think it's just you know, taking something the devil meant 
for his good and glory and, and using it for, for God's good and glory. And obviously people commercialize Christmas and, and leave Jesus out of it and, 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 and all of that stuff. But, um, you know, there's, there's something about setting aside a time to recognize and honor. And I even think like the gift giving is such a beautiful part of that because God's a giver. He's a generous giver. Oh my goodness. He, he, I mean, Keith Moore, one of my favorite quotes from Keith Moore is that um, the greatest expression of love is giving. And, and, and God is love and he gave the greatest gift um, of all. And so even you know, when we honor his birth by giving gifts to friends and family, um, I, I think it, you know, it's just it's just a beautiful thing. It's something about, you know, this time of year, and 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 then you know we go right out of the Christmas season into a new year, and and you know have a just a just there's something about the calendar turning and and a, a fresh you know set of months to to look at and to consider, and and um, so anyway, I'm <clears throat> I'm saying all that to say I. Uh, I'm, I love what we did tonight, and I hope it translated, you know, to the people watching online. Uh, anyway, this is, um, I, I could do this for, I could do this to midnight. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, to me, it's, it's uh, um, you know, when we're out in the world, or out making money, you know, out doing these things, you know, we thought we would think nothing about working 14, 16, 18 hours. I worked. I worked 24 hours uh, one time. <laughs> I worked morning shift and then evening shift, and then the guy coming in to relieve me didn't show up. So, so you know, I mean, it's like, okay, so if we can do that for money, um, you know, why, why can't we spend a little more time uh, around the things of God and, and, and sharpen one another and, and learn and grow together? So, um, amen. Yes. Okay. Okay. Amen. Well, we will, <coughs> we will do that together, and we don't have to know the details. Father knows, and so, Lord, as, as we close out um, what's been one of my favorite classes of all so far this year, Lord, we just, um, we join our faith together, Lord, in this situation. Lord, we don't know all the details, but we bind the devil in Jesus' name. We bind his tactics and strategies, Lord, um, against this, uh, these people in this situation. And Father, we loose your wisdom, we loose your power, we loose uh, your love, Lord God, and your joy even uh, into this situation, Father. Lord, whatever these men and women are facing and dealing with, Lord, um, I thank you that you've already bound it and loosed it and fixed it in heaven and so, Lord, we want it to be on earth in their lives as it is in heaven, Lord, right now. Father, I thank you for your favor. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Father, that you like to see things uh, work out in our, in our favor and in our benefit. And, Lord, we just ask you now as your children on behalf of somebody else interceding, Father, uh, for them. And we believe you for good things. Father, um, thank you, Lord, for the men and women in this room, for those joining us online. Thank you, Father, um, for their commitment, Lord, to you and to your word, to your purposes and your destinies, Lord God, for their individual lives. And Lord, even in a lot of cases, Father, um, what you have for uh, us moving forward, working together, uh, people in this room, Lord, I thank you, Father, 
for the families that these men and women represent. I pray, Father, that this would be the best Christmas ever, Lord. It, uh, different doesn't mean bad, Lord. It can be a different Christmas and still be one of the more memorable, um, one of the more beneficial Christmases ever. Lord, for those that will be traveling home, Lord, I thank you for um, just letting them shine on their families. Father, uh, let people who love them and know them uh, maybe better than me, uh, Lord, um, let them see what I'm seeing, uh, Lord, uh, in their lives and in their eyes, Lord. Um, thank you, Father, for divine appointments. Uh, thank you for ministering spirits, Lord, to surround them as they travel. And, um, Lord, we believe you for good things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Know that you loved. Uh, Merry Christmas and good things coming. We will be here uh, next uh, Wednesday night on the 29th.